Shut up and sit down. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah, Batman! Our bikes love us and we love them back As we ride through the city by the cars like black On the teeth of the town we just keep on singing We're unstoppable Oh, hell yeah! You are listening to the Dial Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Doing. One of the most important decisions you will make is to be in a good mood. For every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. So, crank it up and be happy, my friend. When things are good, when things are hard, we ride together, we don't drive cars, but together we make such beautiful music. Oh, hell yeah, brother, you yeet! Unstoppable mamas, a G-N-O, Unstoppable kids, yeah. Get your bike and go. Get your bike and go. Unstoppable papas. Pedal and flow. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You're doing it good, buddy. Great job. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Fondering, and I'm sitting here with Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys look, you look digital today. A little choppy? A little choppy, a little <laughs> rainy, a little choppy, a little distant. Yeah. You're looking distant to me. Yeah. Coming to us over the hopefully somewhat stable Verizon network, uh, Mr. Lance Sparkle Farts Hepler. How are you, Lance? <laughs> never know what you're going to get. I'm good. Uh, yes. It, I'm, uh, you never know what you're going to get. I'm sitting in the middle of some random uh, Kansas cemetery in the middle of a freaking thunderstorm. It is pouring rain at the moment. Lightning just struck about a half mile from me. Uh, so what what kind of signal I'm going to uh, have for the next few moments is uh, anybody's guess. So it should be interesting. If, gotcha. lightning, if lightning strikes a cow in the pasture next to your cemetery... That's, you, that's good eats right there. Do you eat that? <laughs> is it already it's, cooked? Like at what level of cook? And you're you're it's vegan for dinner. You're vegan too, so I mean, but you're not just gonna let that cow go to waste. Well, there's vegan cows out there in Kansas. They're vegan you know? cows. Yeah, yeah. No. So, real quick before the dog we, isn't vegan, so we could feed the dog. There you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> dog food for days. There. Um, it, it seems like the whole friggin' thing has uh, kind of taken grasp on Lance Hepler. Everybody's kind of referring to him as LF. H, as in Lance Friggin Hepler or Friggin Hepler, or, you know, sometimes they don't use the word friggin, they'll use other um, explicatives or adjectives. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think it might be time to change it up. I think Lance is getting too comfortable with the friggin. So what do you think, Matt? Sparkle farts? Anything, really. Sure. We're going to mix it up with something different, different so each time. If you're listening to this podcast, go look up Lance on, oh, I don't know, Instagram. Instagram, for sure. Strava, Facebook. Mm. I think he's All actually on he, he's on TikTok <laughs> and just hit him with a little hashtag sparkle farts. Sparkle farts. Lance Sparkle Farts Hepler. Doesn't quite roll <laughs> off the tongue like friggin', but it's gonna grow. I, have, I just have a sneaking suspicion. What are we, what are we gonna talk about today? We're Podcast. Gonna, we are going to Besides talk about Lance. and unpack the whole unbound gravel experience. Ooh. Since Lance is in Kansas, might as well. Yeah. Lance, you want to give us a little bit of a, I don't know, background or a little, I guess, backpedal, I guess, on yeah. your, your your journey of getting out there and how it's been going so far? Yeah. You know, uh, I have never done Unbound before. Um, I was kind of peer pressured into signing up for it by Chris Surratt. So uh, I, I did, you have to enter a lottery and I you know, my number was drawn, so I got into the race. So that's why I decided to come out. Plus, Chris Surratt and his wife, Corey, and my wife, Brandy, they all kind of conspired against me to convince to come out because Chris really wanted me to come out with him and, and uh, do the race with him. And we, we told that story last week where uh, it, that didn't work out for Chris. He, uh, he hit the deck, so he wasn't able to make the trip. So he is weird missing him terribly right now which is kind of a bummer mm-hmm. but we do have another teammate david barna who is uh coming out he has ha- hit a couple of flight snags on the way so he's still going to make it but it's going to be much uh slower than he anticipated but that's the way it goes <laughs> um, oh i oh hold on i i gave david a little bit of crap about this too did he happen to tell you what airline he's flying with 
If yeah, you had- and that was that was definitely a mistake right off the bat. But uh, that <laughs> when I already had that conversation. Do you want to have a take a stab at who he might be flying with, Matt? I don't know. Some <laughs> sort of like dis. I, I think it's widely regarded as the worst airline, um, Spirit. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I told him this the other day. He told me he was flying that with Spirit. Really, I'm like, oh, really, I hope everything makes guess. it there, including you in time, my friend. Oh, man. So anyway. Poor guy. Carry on. Carry on. Game they, on. Uh, they had a, they had a, yeah, they had, an I, they had an IT outage, and so the flights couldn't take off for several hours. So everything got pushed back several hours. He's still going to make it, but uh, it's all it's all good. So anyway, um Emporia is, is bigger than I thought it was going to be. There's, you know, it's a, it's one of these little, you know, central Kansas towns where uh, it's just, it's just surrounded by farmland and it's, it's corn and cows. It's mostly corn and cows. I think I was um, thinking, I was thinking small the, town. The town is, yeah. I, I want to say it's more like, 50,000 or something. Okay, that's, like that. way, that's Pretty, way bigger than I thought. So, yeah, I was thinking like um, 5,000. Yeah, me too. That's just one of those places that I don't think I would have ever heard of if Unbound yeah. had ever gone there. And Well, and then you start thinking about like how many how many beds you can put together for, sure. I mean, that's a huge, huge raise. And you've got a lot of marketing teams coming in there to talk about gravel bikes. And it's it becomes like an expo for all things gravel. Sure. I mean, it's got to be good like for the town in general in terms of just raising oh, yeah. revenues and whatnot. If, uh, well, if they probably move out, they're probably like, yeah, sure. Take my, take my bed, take my house. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be good for commerce there, but in the same breath, do you think the town likes that? Is it worth the, 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 the crowd of people that come in there for that full weekend? Do you think that they, I don't know, accept the I, fact that a bunch of gravel junkies are out I there do, doing the thing? Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a big deal for the town. I mean, everywhere we've been, um, People are saying, "Hey, are you here for the race?" And I'm like, "Yes, we are." I mean, there they've been there's banners up everywhere. There's there's uh, welcome bikers, you know, in different places. Um, the the main drag, the 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 historic main drag of the town is where the race starts and it's where the race finishes, and it's all it's all blocked off for the race, or it will be. And the expo is right downtown. There's a big university um, called Emporius state university um that's in town and there's there's uh and it's school's already out so we kind of we actually ride right through campus right here right like a mile from the finish so it should all be interesting they do they do call it gravel city usa because literally you get two miles out of town in any direction north south east or west and it's all gravel roads from there on out so there are yeah, obviously there's thousands and thousands of gravel roads around here, so it's it's been pretty cool. I'm guessing that there has to be like a major freeway or highway that goes near or through the city. Is that there is. okay? So you can get to the city without being on or coming via a gravel road, correct? Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah, there's there's an interstate that goes right through it, but it's in between Wichita and Kansas City. Hmm. So okay. it's there's a there's an interstate that goes between Wichita and Kansas city. And so, yeah, you can kind of see it, Cool. but, um, yeah, I mean that so far I've done two, you know, rides on the gravel roads yesterday and this morning, and it has been, it has been fantastic. Yes. The, the Flint rock, the Uh-oh. Flint Hills is a bit sharper. You know, there is uh, potential for flat tires. I've seen flat tires on both rides already, not myself, but with other riders around. Knock on wood. So it, the race does involve a little bit of luck. Yes, you know, it, 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 a tire choice and tire width and tread pattern is an important choice for this race. But uh, luck also plays a big factor in it. Tread punctures or sidewall? Um, it, 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 both things happen. Gotcha. Um, the tread punctures, if the, if, if the little flint rocks get in between your tread pattern and hit that, that thinner rubber, it can, it can slice in between your tread pattern. So actually the tighter your tread pattern is the less flat potential you have. Is there a tire, tire of choice that people are running out there? I, I, you know, every sponsored athlete has their own 
yep. their own recommendation because they're all sponsored by different people. Okay, but so, yeah, yeah, you're gonna um, you're gonna see that I, at the pro level. But what about in the more amateurish level? I mean, is there like a, a prevailing favor that everybody else is running because they're not paid to ride on a particular tire? I've I've looked around and I have seen the gamut. I've seen different things on everybody's wheels. Hmm. So, so I don't know. The other the other tricky thing is um, some of these gravel roads that the race is on um, are are clay based and not maintained very well. And so when the thunderstorms come through, you can get the peanut butter mud that will stop your wheel rotation. And in those cases, it's better to have like more frame clearance with your tire. And so choosing a narrower tire, I, I, I'm running 40s, uh, Maxxis Rambler 40s at the moment, but I have a pair of 38s that if it looks like, I, I can't decide which, which set I'm going to run. So I'm kind of going back and forth. Yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum there. It's like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't either way. So it's like, <laughs> which one's going to be the best overall? And I guess the morning of you'll have a pretty good idea, maybe, hopefully, based on how much it rains. Yeah, I, I need to make that decision tomorrow at the latest. Yep. So I, I don't know. I and I'm guessing you don't, I don't have know a, what the heck I'm doing. You don't have a second wheel set that you could like slap on in a pinch, right? Nope, I do not. Well, your test ride. I just have a mountain bike. You're you didn't flat on your test ride with what you've got on, right? So maybe stick with what's no. working. You know, no. Lance, do you have your road bike with you? I do. Yeah, just use your road bike. The road bike, those head V three V4s that you have on your road bike would actually work on your gravel bike perfectly. And you could actually slap a second set of tires on there in the event that you needed to do something in a in a pinch. And you could run those wheels just the same. Who's gonna get those wheels out to him wherever he is? Brandy? Well, I'm just saying like the morning of like let's say he sets oh. it up tonight and he thinks this can be one thing and then the next thing you wake up in the morning, you don't want to be swapping tires over and if there's a better option That's and true. you have it, then then go with it. But you do have SAG, yeah. SAG support on course, right? So somebody technically could be at an aid station with a second set of wheels for you? Uh, what's interesting about Unbound is that there, there's two things that are that are unique with Unbound that I haven't found in other races. One is the course is not marked. You have to do your own navigation. So um, you have to have a computer, a GPS computer, or you have to have a route map. Or you have to have a cue sheet on you where you can you can find the route yourself, hmm. and right. so that that's that's kind of un, that's kind of unique. Now it's not usually an issue because there's four thousand riders doing the four different race distances, so it's kind of huge. And so there's usually always a line of people or racers up ahead of you. Yeah, but uh, that is unique with Unbound is that it's not uh, it's not marked. The other thing is. For the 100-mile race and for the 200-mile race, you have to have SAG support. You have to have a support person. So um, with with the 100-mile race, there is one um, aid station at mile like 63 where, where you have to have a SAG person there for you, where you will refuel and um, they can give you some help. And if you have a problem on course, you you need somebody to call to come rescue you. Um, that you, you the 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 course the lifetime Grand Prix has said we are not coming to rescue you if you're stuck on course. You have to have somebody to call. So you have to have you have to have SAG support. That's unique here. That's why that's one of the reasons why the town fills up because every racer comes and yeah. brings a SAG person with them. Um, one, you, you can pay, there is a group that you can pay for support. That's what our teammate, David Barna is doing. And so there's like two guys that will do SAC support for like 30 riders and they can just, you can just keep track of that. For the 200 mile course, there's, I think there's two aid stations, one at like one at mile 60 and another at mile 130 or something like that. So they also provide there's water stops on course as well where there's only water, but that's why that's why you see these videos of these you know you know uh, Le Mans style pit stops where racers come in and swap out chase vests and and um, and reload their pockets and then take off because everybody 
needs that more or less. It's going to be an interesting day. Is there anything that you're a little nervous about other than the the weather and the possible bad road conditions? Uh, that's it. I'm, I'm concerned mostly about mud. If, <laughs> if, the, if the clay based roads really get wet and get muddy, it just, it goes from, it goes from racing to survival. You know what I mean? It can make for a long day. And yeah. I'm hoping to race this. Yeah. 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 I mean, it you can, can make for a long day. Last year, last year, go ahead, Jake. No, I was going to say, you can take all the tongue depressors you want, but I mean, if you're riding every, you know, hundred feet and stopping and, and scraping mud off your, your yeah. wheels and tires, that's just going to be a miserable day. Although I do know Lance is um, pretty keen on creating his own lines sometimes. So maybe he'll get creative. Possibly there is, there is usually a grass line uh-huh. <laughs> that you can take on the muddy sections. And also the muddy sections, if you have momentum, you can usually ride them. If you're, if your wheel is not grinding to a stop, you can ride them. Although I, if, if people remember last year's race, there was, there was like a two mile section where many people were walking, but the elites and pros were still able to, uh, to ride through it if they kept pace. So gotcha. Now uh, there's going to be some water. I, I'm not calling myself an elite elite pro. There you go. There's water crossings. If I'm not mistaken, will those swell if you guys get a fair amount of rain through the night and during the day? Yes. Will that? Yes. In they any, will swell. I mean, will it get to um, a point where you can't cross some of those, or is it just one of those where you're going to be screwed? And you got to get off your bike and walk through the water and deal with some wet feet for a while. I don't know the answer to that yet. So Time I, will tell, I huh? think, yeah, Brandy and I, we drove the last like 40 miles of the course yesterday. Um, and we were able to drive it in my van. There weren't any, you know, swollen water crossings. And these storms that are coming through are only 30 minute storms, you know? Sure. So I don't know. Hmm. Do you want to tell the so folks, we'll just have to wait and see, tell the folks what you're going to carry on you, what you're riding, kind of what your plan is and just give them an idea of what they should expect from you. Yeah. So this is, this is my plan. I'm, I'm riding the BMC oars. Um, and I've got 40 millimeter, uh, Maxis ramblers on there. Um, they do have cush core in them, which will also help with some sidewall protection um what psi are you gonna run carrying with me i'm running 29 27 psi okay so that's pretty that, light that, but that's, that seems to work pretty well that works well with the crush core yeah and with the crush core that works pretty well for me i i'm gonna be wearing a an an usui um hydration pack that will be filled with um with the uh, mix with uh electrolyte and uh, calorie mix in it from scratch. Um, I'll also have two large bottles with me as well because my first water stop is until mile 40. And then I can't get more calories until mile 63. So um, I, you have to carry a lot of calories with you. Um, and then flat stuff, <laughs> flat repair stuff. It's, that's one of those things where you either... You either don't have enough stuff with you or you've taken too much. And it all depends on whether you flat it or not. So you kind of have to plan for disaster. So I'm actually taking 10 plugs wow. from uh, what's the, what's the company? Dynaplug. What's the company that we, Dynaplug. So I'm, I'm taking a, a Dynaplug kit with several different uh, plug repair kits. Um, I'm taking two tubes with me as well. If there is yep. a uh disaster and uh several boots in case the plugs and and i'm taking i think three co2s and a hand mini pump so i'm I, uh, this is not the stuff i would normally race with but for this race i'm taking i'm taking everything because it it potentially could if i'm pulling that stuff out i'm you know i've gone from racing to surviving you know but you might have to do that just to survive. Okay. So, uh, a quick little thing. Um, taking a, a lot of flat crap. Gotcha. A, a quick little thing for you, and it's going to be based off of something that I dealt with on Monday at our gravel ride, and that is, um, and I'm just going to throw this out there as a little pro tip. Make sure that 
two things. Um, your, your tubeless valve stem, make sure that the nut on that is, you want that to be tight because you don't want it to, um, you know, be loose and have it seeping air out, but make sure it's nice and snug, but make sure that you've got the ability to get that off. So either finger tight and make sure that you can go back and unscrew it, but also because it's dealing with the sealant, it's dealing with mud and all that other stuff, that stuff will eventually work its way into the threads and it'll actually cause that nut to seize up a little bit and it'll be super hard for you to get off with your fingers even though you put it on finger tight. So you wanna make sure that that whole threaded system is nice and clean and smooth and make sure that it's plenty tight. And then as, uh, kind of like a little fail safe, um, and, and I got super lucky because I wasn't able to get mine off because I had a sidewall puncture and it, I'll get into that later, but um, we rode with a teammate, John Hatfield, who had these tiny little pliers. They were like, oh. they were about as big as my finger. That's and, a good idea. Yeah, they were fantastic. They just look like mini little tires. I'm like, oh, those are so cute. But um, those right there were, enabled me to get that nut off. Now there are mm. other tools that do have like a little a plier bit built into them. We just brought some in from Wolf Tooth that are pretty cool. And I'm actually gonna start carrying those for that exact reason right there. But um, just make sure that that whole little system, it's such a small little minor thing, but if you can't get that nut off and your tire is trashed and, and you're not able to fill it up um, and run it tubeless, you need to put a tube in. And if you can't get that thing out, then you're pretty much screwed. And you're gonna try all of the little things in the book to get that little nut to come off. I've had this happen one other time too, and I just didn't have the right tools and had to call some support to have a, a set of pliers brought out to get that off. But um, so again, Lance, clean that nut off, make sure that it's something that you can get off or not, and then consider carrying something that will enable you to get it off if your fingers aren't strong enough to um, to back it out. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, so I, I would have, uh, it's not, that's not something I would have thought about actually. Um, yeah. Because I, I would, yeah. Yeah, you just assumed like, oh, it's just a nut and I, I put that thing on their finger tight and Sometimes it'll get on there and, and just be on there so tight that you're just not going to get it off with your fingers anymore. So get that thing cleaned up and, and either, you know, serviced or make sure that you carry something with you that you can get it off in a pinch. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Because if you have stronger fingers than I've got, Jake, and if I can't, if you can't get enough, there's no, I have no shot. I would just be <laughs> sitting there cursing yeah. and crying at yeah. the valve stem. You'd have a thumb out for a pair of pliers. Yep. Um, yeah. So pro, that. first pro tip, first pro tip, use your wife's toothbrush to clean up some of those detail spots. There you go. Not, <laughs> not your toothbrush because yep. that will make for a real big mess. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, Lance, carry on with, uh, what you're carrying with you or did you already cover everything? I, I think that kind of covers everything. I will have, I, I mean, again, I'm only doing a hundred mile race, so I can almost take enough calories on my person that I, I won't need to stop for more calories, but uh, swapping out my, my chase vest, you know, at mile 63 with my wife will be, will be really nice. Now, so, are you going to we'll just do, do a straight swap I, and you have um, two of them or are you going to refill it and get back on the road? I think I'm just going to swap two of them. Are you, so gonna do. you have multiples. So, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I, I think it would be it it'll be it'll be much faster to just hand me a new a new hydration pack. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And just refill my two bottles and go than to refill the pack. It'll it'll make it a it'll make it a 30 second stop instead of a two and a half minute stop. And you know, knock on wood, I'm hoping that I will be racing this race. I'm hoping that I will be competing and and vying for a a uh, you know a top 10 spot in my age group and so th there is there is age groups a 50 to 59 age group for for all the races and i think in 100 mile there's like 100 people who are 50 to 59 oh, wow. something like that and i'm 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 hoping to be at the at the pointy end of that but you know that depends on luck and it depends on kind of what group you get with on the road because those are two big factors. So yeah, we've talked to see how it goes. We've talked about this a bunch of other times, and and you and I are kind of of the same mindset in that 200 miles just does not sound like all that much fun. There are plenty of people out there that think that that's the best thing since sliced bread. I just don't know if I particularly care to sit on a bike for 12 to 16 hours, depending upon conditions. Um, are you having any? second thoughts now that you're out there and that you're doing the shorter race as opposed to a lot of people that are out there to do the 200? Uh, that's a good question. And my answer is 
Hell no. I, uh, <laughs> I do not, I do not want to do the 200 mile race. I've, I've said this before. I think it would be very fun for about six hours and then, and it, and then a kind of a nightmare for the next six hours. I wonder if you'll change your mind. And when you, when I, you although the finish. It, that is, that is the premier race. Yep. Yeah. That's it cr- is the premier race. It is what everybody is striving for. It is what, uh, you know, it's what, it's what they want you to do. Even in the, even in the athlete guide, it says the hundred mile race is your stepping stone to the 200 mile race. Yeah. It's, it's to prepare you for the next time you come back and do the 200 mile race. And the other I thing is, no. the other thing is he'll get to see the finish of the 200 mile race with the pros, which will be actually quite impressive oh, yeah. to watch. Yeah. So there's, there's real value in being able to be like a spectator. Yeah. So that 200 mile race definitely is a bucket list thing yeah. for a lot of folks. Lance, do you think that that will ever land on your bucket list, or do you think that might be something that'll land on your bucket list after doing the 100 mile? I, I don't know. I, I mean, if you're asking me today, I say no, it won't be. Um, I, I just don't want to race for more than hours. I don't want to race for more than four hours, to be honest with you. But, uh, but you know, these big premier events, they're all big, freaking long, stupid races. So I don't know. Hmm. Well, we wish you luck there. Oh, are you going to be wearing a GoPro at all? Are you going to take that with you? Catch, get some footage. I, I don't, I don't think I will. I don't think I am taking my GoPro. I do know this. Um, I will have my phone with me. That's another thing yeah. you have to have is you have to have a way to, to call somebody to come save you if you need saving. So you're, you're like required to take your cell phone. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will, I will probably at some point take some pictures and video, uh, with my cell phone, but I don't think I'm going to take my GoPro. Are you using a radar? I don't know why I'm asking you this, but I'm just curious. I'm not, not on race day. We, yeah. we actually, this is 98% on country roads with little traffic. So it just, except for the, the parts that go through little towns there, we really won't deal with. With, we'll deal with yep. very little traffic, so yeah. I am not taking the radar. And the traffic yeah. will be very aware of what's going on out there with tons of traffic, of road cycling traffic, so or gravel, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You won't. You won't be able to miss it for sure. Yeah. Have you rubbed elbows with any pros yet since being out there? Uh, sure. I saw. I saw on our drive out here. Uh, Randy, of course, was playing pickleball for a couple hours while I went and uh, uh, did a shakeout ride with a big group this morning. And as as we were leaving the pickleball court, we went right past uh, uh, McTubbins and Keegan. So hmm. uh, Tobin Ortenblad and Keegan Swenson both rode right past us. So that was kind of cool. I also... Um, Yesterday and this morning, I've done the shakeout rides with Yuri Hosfold and with Molly Cameron and uh, with Dan Hughes. Dan Hughes, a four-time winner of Unbound uh, in the early years, and uh, and 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 Ali Tetrick. Um, she was also out. She did these rides with us. So I've I've been able to do some some shakeout rides with them, which has been fantastic. Yuri and Allie were inducted into the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame uh, last night. Wow, so Brandon wow. and I went to that ceremony and watched that. And and uh, that was very cool. And yeah, it's, it's, I, the town, it's kind of electric. Um, it's taken over by gravel cyclists and all things cycling. Uh, it's a very kind of cool experience to be here and, and to feel the, the excitement in the air of the race coming up and being a part of it and hoping that things go well for you. And there's signs all over town, you know, it's just been, and I haven't even been to the expo yet. The expo opens this afternoon uh, where we check in and you can check out. I mean, every bicycle manufacturers here, Anybody that has a U.S.-based uh, operation has some kind of uh, uh, setup at the expo here, um, and I haven't even been to that yet. So it's it's all kind of exciting. So it's like it's like it's like gravel. It's like a big gravel party. It's like cycling Christmas time. You know, everything and every one that you want to see is kind of here. You know, in in U.S. cycling. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. 
And what time do you guys roll out tomorrow morning? Uh, we race on Saturday. Oh, um, yeah, wait. What yeah. day is today? Today's Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, I was thinking today's Friday. My whole week's been screwed up. Yeah. On Saturday, what time do you guys roll out? So, interestingly enough, the pros have their own start. The pro men go off at 5.50 a.m. Um, the pro women have their own start. They go at 5.52 a.m. And then all the rest of the 200-mile cyclists go at 6 a.m. Um, and then mm. the 100-mile cyclists go at 7 a.m. We're a whole hour later. Okay. So they, they do kind of stage stage things out there a little bit. So That could get interesting if it's really sloppy out there. Once all those tires make their way through that mud and kind of mix it all up, it's it could be a, a bit of a nightmare for you. But in the same respect, it, it I don't know, could be interesting and fun. And maybe you'll find some choice lines that some of the pros laid down for you. Well, the we share the same course for the first 45 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exactly the same for the first 45 miles, something like that. And then... And then the hundred mile course, we we cut out obviously a whole hundred mile section, but we will do that part of the course, kind of hours before the pros come through there. Right. So they will be dealing with with hundred mile traffic for those last forty miles themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that should be interesting. Gotcha. Who uh, I guess like who are the favorites? I guess is the, the million dollar question. I'm sure that there's a good like ten guys that could make this their day and, and, and win the overall race. Who are the, the, the solid favorites though? And who do you think is going to win? Well, uh, I think it's Keegan Swenson's race to lose. He, uh, he lost last year to Ivar Slick, the uh, Dutch racer who, who came over and out sprinted him uh, right at the end. Ivar Slick is also here uh, with his uh, Dutch cycling mafia friends who are also very fast, Jasper and, Lawrence Tendam, um, Finsty, uh, Russell Finsterwald has been uh, racing and training really well. He's he's Keegan's uh, training partner and part of that uh, uh, hit squad that it trains. You know that's been training in Tucson all winter long, and so he's a name to watch out for. Um, th- there's, I think one of those four people will most likely win it. But there's still there's Ian Boswell, there's there's Peter Stetna, there's 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 a lot of big names that could step up still and and win this race. Who was so, it? Who was it that broke their wrist last weekend at Gravis Locos? Or two weekends ago, whenever that was. Um, so Payson McKelvin, um, yeah, Payson McKelvin crashed. That's right. But didn't didn't he got a concussion? Oh, he was a concussion? He didn't break his wrist. I he was... is here. Okay. Yeah. So he's here. We actually slept right next to him last night, and I talked to him for a minute. Um, he is he is still not hundred percent going to race this. He's trying to be very smart and cautious about this, but he's feeling better. He's like seventy five percent probably going to race but it's not a hundred percent certain whether he's going to line up because he's still dealing with some concussion symptoms. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so he's, you know, he's somebody that I would put on a list of potential winners too, but, uh, maybe not at the moment just because of the concussion issues he's dealing with. Sure. And the, jukebox rider that won gravos locos um dylan johnson's uh teammate was alex hallows maybe was that who was no barge roberge roberge that's it okay um what what's the sentiment towards him this uh this weekend knowing how he was not well received at that gravos locos race for not doing any work at all and then pipping everybody in after that crash um nobody nobody liked to say his name to be honest with you (laughs) the pros don't want to the, pro, the pros don't want to give him any more coverage than he's already given because uh-huh. they're irritated with him. So, I'm, so I didn't, he's not real well liked. Yeah, I'm very curious to hear. Well, we're not going to ever hear it, but to know kind of what their game plan is and to see it unfold um, this weekend in terms of how they uh, they treat him during the race and how maybe they gang up on him a little bit or beat him up to spit him out the back. I'm curious to see if that happens. Yeah, I bet it'll happen. My guess is yes, that there will be some some move to make it work. You know, it's just this course, there's no like really sustained climbs, but it it's 
always rolling. It's mm. there's not very many like flat sections, just just rolling up and down the whole way. So, you know, there's lots of kind of opportunities to just spit somebody out by making a couple efforts up one of the little rollers. So do you think do you think any you think any team tactics are going to come into play? Uh no, I don't because uh I mean the lifetime grand prix fitness thing is it, it is all kind of individually based and there's yeah. not very many teammates. You Isn't know, there's, there's, there's like there's a maybe two group of Dutch people. guys or something. They are, but they all want to win them race themselves. Yep. I mean, who are the Dutch guys? It's it's Ivar Slick and Jasper and and Lawrence Tendam, and they all want to win the race themselves. So would they help out their teammate and their training partners somewhere in the race? Uh, maybe, but you know, usually three people is not enough to make a difference. Hmm. To be honest with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, they'll they'll help each other out where they can, but it's a uh, individual race. Yeah, it's an individual race. What do you think about the women's race, Lance? Uh, the women's race is is kind of wide open. I mean, Flavia, who won last year, has a good shot. Sophia Villa uh, Villafone, she has a good shot. Uh, Sarah Sturmey has a shot at being in the. There's it's it, it's more interesting this year because they have their own start. Eight minutes though. And, it's only eight but, minutes. I don't. It's, it's, it's it, not enough. It's only right. So it's only eight minutes before the rest of the field goes, which means the top level amateurs will catch the women's people and 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 what what groups that the the women's leaders are able to get into will make a difference with with where they're at. Or so. Or could it, they bury themselves and make up that two minute gap on the elite guys? How many? I wonder how many elite guys there are. If there's, uh, if there's thirty or or fifty elite guys, there might be some that are taking it out easy. It'd be interesting. Interesting tactics to think about. Yes, interesting. You know, there have been scuttlebutts before in the past about some of the women having guys that were coming in and basically pacing them. Absolutely. For a while, do you think there could be some guys that are? buried in that um, amateur field that are going to start a couple minutes later that could potentially ride up to that women's group and, and pull yes. them. And that's their specific job for the day is to go out there and support said, Ooh, said racer. That That's that's against the spirit of the gravel. It, it is, but <laughs> it's also a purse. Because, I mean, you could, like, hand it off. You could be a real... That, that could happen. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you could be a real yeah, help that, if you just sat there and just, like... Super domestique, man. Super domestique to them, yeah. Are we putting money down? Is is everyone's money on Keegan Swenson? Lance, if you had to bet money, good money. Good question. Who are you taking? Yeah, I wouldn't bet against I I wouldn't bet against Keegan. I I I wouldn't. Hmm. That that would be the name I would take. Gotcha. Any good pro tips that so you've picked even, up? Even with losing it last year, so. Yeah, any good pro tips you've picked up from people while being out there thus um, far? Um, I tell you what, uh good vision is going to be important. Um Ooh be able to pick your line, being able to pick your line and try to avoid the sharpest rocks, I think is going to be important. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think most of the day I'm going to be in a group and I'm going to be three feet from somebody's wheel. And so you can't quite see what's coming. And that will, there's a, there's, is that a calculated risk to do that? Because I'll be able to ride faster, but if I flat, it won't have mattered. Gotcha. So, so um, will you have multiple pairs of sunglasses? I was going to ask the same question. That's a good question. I mean, well, I will not. I, I won't. But I might have a, a a pair of sunglasses to swap at the aid oh, station. Good. Gotcha. Minor or cloth. You know, like I, I carried a cloth the other day, and it was just great because you wipe sweat. You can wipe your hey, glasses clean. Yeah. Just having like something cotton as opposed to something like the that, all the tech stuff that we wear. That's good, but the problem is, is if you got a bunch of dirt that's flying up or mud that's flying okay. up, it's yeah. going to scratch the crap out of your lenses. So my thought is, is maybe one of your water bottles, since you're going to have so much hydration on you, maybe just dedicate one of them to being just water that you can spray your glasses off. Oh. And maybe apply some Rain-X or something like that on there just to keep them a little bit more polished and, and yep. let that... that gunk and water just roll right off maybe that'll be something that you can use to your advantage yeah that's not a bad idea wow something to play with that's what i do for my triathlon race keep the fog out you do like an anti-fog mm -hmm. and then like a little it's all the rain x stuff yeah 
It's great. Yeah. It works. Play with that a little bit more. Anything else out there for uh, pro tips, Lance? Anything else that people are saying, oh, you got to do this, that, and the other? Uh, no, nothing's coming to mind. I don't know. Eat a lot all day. <laughs> Eat all day. <laughs> that sounds fantastic right now. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's about enough from Unbound, unless there's anything else you want to share about Unbound, Lance. Is there anything else on your mind? I'm I'm much more excited to do the race than I thought I would be. I will say that. Yeah. Now it, that you're there it, and in the moment. It's yeah. contagious here in yeah. town. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. All right. Do you, um, you boys want to do a little bit of that, that newsy stuff? Yeah. Well, let's move to the news. Is that, there has been some news. I'm all about having fun. Is Champ having fun and a good time out there in Kansas? Is, did you bring him with you? Is he in the van? Yeah. Champ, Champ is here in the van, but I... I have nothing happened last week. What happened? What, oh, we have the Giro. Did the Giro Primos. happen last week, or was that the week before? That was no, last week. That's this, this is <laughs> past weekend. That's yep. it. Primos Roglic. Okay. We all last week were talking about who was going to win and how that how stage did, was going to fold. What did we say? Was I the only one that chose Primos, and you guys said G had it? I think or you both you and I said that G was going to probably win, but we both wanted Primos to win. We wanted him to come, but we weren't sure how that, that final TT was going to play we'll out. I'll have to play back the tape for last week's podcast. Yeah. I thought that G was going to pretty much have that in the bag, but there was that long uphill time trial. And I'm like, Ugh. I think that the watts per kilogram played in Roglic's favor. And I wanted to see him be able to do that. But I thought that, what was it, 26 seconds or something like that? I thought that was going to be too much to overcome in that yeah. particular thing. And he had a mechanical. And he had a mechanical. Crazy. And he still put 40-something seconds into him. That's bonkers. Crazy. Yeah. Got anything you yeah, want to share was, on that channel? It was really exciting to watch. Yep. It was really exciting to watch, actually, to watch that time trial. I mean, G. Thomas really laid everything out there, did everything he could, but Primos was just faster, was just better for sure. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was pretty exciting to watch. Let me ask you guys this. And yeah, kudos best, to Primos. Best Giro that you've ever seen, like coming down to the last stage. That was pretty stinking exciting. I think it, I think it was. I think yeah. it's arguably the best Giro that I can. I mean, I don't know. I don't have like a history book of what happened when and which other races were really good, but this one was fantastic. Yeah, was it um, Lafier that was the the quick step owner that was really just oh. knocking it hard, saying that this is the dumbest thing that that they've ever done, and how could they put this in a t time trial? And like he couldn't be more wrong. It was so exciting it, to watch. Granted, it does favor a smaller time trialer kind of guy, but it's still it worked. Yeah, it worked. It was fantastic. And and it's worked at the tour in the past. I mean, it was. It's been a good formula. So keep it up. How do we feel about Cavendish? I was gonna ask that too. Great question. Ooh, we did. did that? We took a bet, right? And you guys were like, "No, no way. He wins another stage. No way. He wins another stage." It's looking like he could win one more stage at the tour. It's possible. What do you think, Lance? It's possible. I, you know, did you watch that? I mean, G. Thomas actually led him out at the yeah. end. He like jumped on the front, and he. It was kind of a spur of the moment thing for him. I was listening to his podcast and he just said, you know, here at the end, it was, he just, he just said, you know what? I'm here. I'm feeling fine. I'm just going to lead this out. He ended up leading out uh, for the, for the, for Cavendish for the win. It was really quite exciting. So good for him. I just say good for him. And they're not even teammates. This is like, oh, this is your old teammate. We're going to, I'm going to lead you out. I mean, Good for G. He's a quality individual. Oh, hey, hey, guys, guys, guys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. That that Cavendish guy, he's an asshat. Oh, gosh, that, that guy <laughs> nailed it. Who was that? How did he get on the phone? <laughs> oh, Cavendish, go away. Just exactly. go away. <laughs> I've yeah. talked to a few people over this past week and change about him, and everybody kind of knows my feelings on him and so they come up and they'll just try and rap with me about it a little bit and there's so many people that want to see him have that record and i just don't get it the guy is a jackhole yep seriously he's a great sprinter not going to take that away from him but what's to like about that guy can anybody anyone he wins I, races he's won a lot of races i think I it's know. it's it's more it's more that it's you feel cool to be witnessing history, but I'm actually alive and paying attention and watching while history happens. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, 
records are made to be broken. That's all fantastic. And, and it, it, there is something special about that, but it's the wrong person doing it. It really is. I mean, I, I so wish that Sagan would have been the guy that was, you know, there breaking those records as opposed to Cavendish, but he's, he's just done so many things so many times to so many different people and made such an ass of himself in the process, whether it be knocking people to the, to the, you know, the, 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 the deck and, and causing, you know, physical harm and pain to people to the time that he pretty much got Sagan kicked out of the tour de France to undressing mechanics, to being a jerk to, you know, spectators. The guy is just on so many different levels in so many different situations has been nothing but a jackal. Why do people like him still? And I guess I get it. I mean, you want to witness history and he is a special guy and he's been around for many, many, many years, but sorry, it, that's just my two cents. The guy, I don't know. I really hope that he doesn't break Merck's record. I agree, but I think it's, I think it's going down. I think he's going to snag one. No, not going to happen. <laughs> we can hope. Yeah. Well, you can hope. I'm we, hoping we'll be watching. <laughs> okay, so we are 30 days from the tour start. Yeah. It is It is happening soon, yeah. people. We will be making our picks on the podcast when Lance returns from his uh, adventures. adventures across the country. You ready for that, Lance? I'm ready. Like a tour yeah, preview episode. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we and Evan picks his winner, which we just like. It's just like it's fun to just hear who he's going to pick these I days. I so hope he picks Cavendish. Oh. <laughs> be sure <laughs> shot right there. Yeah, we need him to pick Cavendish. Anything else there, champ? No, that's it. I'm actually running pretty short on time. So. Okay, why don't we just? Uh, this is going to be a little bit shorter this week. Yeah, we let's can just jump right into Lance. You've, you've pretty much already backpedaled. Let's do the backpedal right now. Why don't you just kind of backfill it with the rest of your little stuff, and then we'll jump into one last thing and call it a day. Deal. Uh, yeah. So last week we talked about the sister stampede that uh, this was a race I was kind of focusing on and I was hoping to do well on. And uh, it it went well for me. I uh, I went down to sisters and pre-rode oh, yeah. a good section of the course and uh, ended up. Uh, I know it was kind of funny. I I was able to line up right on the right on the front row. And there were, I think there ended up being like 65 people in our division in the 50 to 59 cat uh, two age group. And we actually got our own horse lead out uh, um, by with Jade riding the horse pancake. I think that's what their names are. And uh, they blew the whistle and the horse took off. And I basically just drilled it from from the very front, right from the gun. You drafted the horse, and right? Ended up getting. <laughs> I pretty much, or I was the horse. I think somebody said that I was the horse, but uh, I got a gap like right right off the line, and I was able to just steadily increase it all day. And uh, I didn't go down. I didn't crash. I worked my way through most of the other fields that were ahead of me. And I ended up winning the race by uh, just about three minutes. So I was, wow. I was thrilled. I finally nice won the work. Yeah. Ooh. Good job, Lance. <laughs> Thank you. I finally won the freaking belt buckle. So I was, I was, I was kind of bouncing around all day. I was pretty excited about that. You gonna wear a, that on Saturday? A, the belt. I probably should. I, I, uh, I've been wanting to win that thing for like five years, and I, I finally made it happen last weekend. So that was exciting. So congrats. Cool. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. And then I drove home and we jumped in the van and started driving immediately. And I got nothing else to add other than we stopped in Wyoming on Monday and rode this freaking fantastic gravel road that was like over 8,000 feet in elevation um, in Southern Wyoming in the Medicine Bow Wilderness. And oh my gosh, it was amazing. So I, you know, more adventures are out there to be seen. Yeah. I so saw your pictures and video from that. Me. Your pictures and video looked fantastic. Those roads were like pristine primo gravel roads. Ooh. Yeah. It's just beautiful countryside. It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was very nice. Cool. Matt, you want to backpedal real quick? Okay. Uh, yeah. Same general swimming, biking, running stuff. I've swam in the lake a couple of times. Water's good. Good. Um, running a little bit and then i've biked a couple of times uh thursday i did that beaches ride which is great Good. um and then saturday i rode i tried to text you and you were doing life stuff yeah family i actually I took went, that day off all i did was go climb around prune hill did you? it was boring Good. um and then sunday i rode uh out to meet david 
Yeah, uh, I saw you on that ride. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. We saw you. There was a big pack of, of dial. Going. We, you guys did the metric. The metric century, yeah. Metric century. Yeah, we're on the, yeah. the last leg of that. Yeah, I just, um, it worked out well timing-wise so I could do my morning run and then meet David at the coffee shop, and it was great. Sweet. It was a good day, and I think I overdid it because now my like hip is all tweaked. Sympathy pain for me, huh? Yes. <laughs> Are you having hip pain? Uh, it's been this way since last August, yeah. Same. Okay. It's ebbs and flows, but it's uh, it's but, a little flared up right now, but uh, it's all good. That's what the problem. I think this is just like a little bit. We we push it too much. Yeah, things start to bark at us. Yeah, so it it happens. Yep. Um, my backpedal real quick is a bunch of fun rides last week. I think I got in almost eleven hours on the bike, which is pretty good for me. That's and really then good. this week I would normally take off either on Monday or Friday, and I ended up not taking Monday off. And I'm not taking Friday off now because I ended up taking Wednesday off. And mm-hmm. that was because um, kind of overdid it a little bit on Monday. We did a fantastic gravel ride. We went out and did uh, the Grouse Vista loop that included um, Jones Creek and all that other fun stuff. And that was a beautiful ride. It's about 30-ish miles. I think it was like 32 or 33 miles and 45 or almost 5,000 feet of climbing. Ooh. A lot of fun. And that's where that blowout system happened. And we had several blowouts um, for various reasons, but they were all related to sidewall punctures. And for me, it was a crazy thing. Um, got a sidewall puncture and it was a double puncture and it was good enough to where you really couldn't put a uh, plug in it. So, okay, what do you do? You go ahead and take all the stuff and things out of there and you throw in a tube and you boot it up and then you start riding again. I did that and probably two or three minutes later, it sounded like a gunshot went off. And when you're out there in this neck of the woods, they that's are. what they do out there. They, are they go out there and they shoot them guns all the time. Yeah. And it sounded like somebody was shooting guns at us, but lo and behold, look at my back tire and the tube exploded. Even though there was only like 40 PSI in there, that the tube exploded weird. and literally blew the tire off the wheel. And because I was out there and because I had sealant in there, yeah. I didn't want to dump the sealant all over the trail. I'm like, I'll just leave it in there, throw the tube in make it good and when it exploded sealant went everywhere like everywhere like my whole bike was caked and it was all over the backs of my legs it was quite the ordeal but anyway tore that out of there and put a new tube in made sure it was clean made sure there was no you had two tubes or you had to borrow one i had to borrow okay and um yeah got that in and kind of took it easy on all of the descents because that's the last thing you want is to have another blowout when you're going downhill at you know mock speed and on gravel roads but um still didn't have any more issues and still rode pretty well and, and felt really good on the climbs and all the flat stuff and pushed a lot of watts. And I think it was a two and a half hour ride. And I think my MP was close to 310. Ooh. So we, we kind of went a little bit hard on that ride, which was fun. I had a good time. But um, how was that metric century? Did you guys go hard on that? I mean, it was a big enough group. No, we kept that zone two, three for the nice. most part. That's and, good. And, and kept everybody together and it felt good. It was a good workout. It was a good training ride. So good. Stacked up a bunch of good days together, and then I got to Wednesday, and I was just dog-tired, and I actually bailed on the ride that we had scheduled at lunchtime. And I actually cut out early when we did our Tuesday gravel ride, too, because I just wasn't feeling super motivated and was kind of running on empty. And uh, I've been dealing with some allergy stuff that's neither here nor there. But anyway, um, excited to do the flogging ride tonight. Should be fun. Yeah. Cool. And then um, Fog Hat Friday rides, are they back oh, yes, in, they are. in business? They are or is that your one last thing? Um, no, I can could, we could could talk be. about it. We did that last week too. That that was back on the agenda. And I think we had like probably like 20 people show up for that, which was for that ride that's a little great. bit small, but it's yeah. a holiday weekend. So it's always the first one's a little bit smaller, but yep. that's just such a fun ride. I mean, yeah. when we're cruising at like 12 to 14 miles an hour and you've got all walks of life out there on all kinds of bikes and it's just a very social ride. It's so much fun, and it's usually perfect weather, good people, right pace, and it just feels good because you don't want to push hard because you've already done a bunch of work during the week, and you don't want to go too hard because you got the weekend coming up. It just it, it checks so many boxes. Backpedal over. Let's one last thing this and call it a day. Lance, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I, I got nothing really to add. I'm just hoping to uh, not die uh, this weekend, and I hope for the best for me and my teammate, uh, David Barna. And uh, thank you guys for uh, arranging this so I could join you today. I appreciate this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out. I gotta meet the Airbnb lady. So All right. awesome. Later, Lance. Good luck. Okay. Yeah, good, good luck this weekend, bud. Looking forward to seeing how it goes for you. <laughs> we'll say he's done. All right, Matt. Thank you guys. All right, see you, bud. Take care. One last thing, Matt. Go uh, for it. Posted two videos yesterday. We have some new watches to discuss. There was the Phoenix Pro, Phoenix mm-hmm. Seven Pro. Yep. Very professional watch. It's very. It's for the professional in your life. Mm-hmm. Not just joking. All. I mean, the main difference is that you've got um, a flashlight and a new optical heart rate monitor that's new from Garmin called the Elevate 
5.0 heart rate monitor sensor piece through your testing and, and yep. by all means go watch matt's videos but through yep. your testing and i think you alluded to this a little bit you're not seeing a marked difference between it's, the two of them or it's, it's a great heart rate sensor it's just hard to see the difference between it when you're looking at again i think i have i have fair enough skin it's basically like see-through skin so it's you can be, you know, it's not that hard for the 4.0 heart rate monitor system that they have to have to give me good results. I also know all the tricks, you know, avoid joints and keep the watch snug and, you know, every other little trick that you can do to try to give you the best heart rate data so mm. that when you're comparing it, you're giving it, you know, the best chance to prove itself. Sure. And so, yeah, so I'm, you know, I, I really did try. I mean, I probably have a dozen different activities where I was looking at heart rate data and it's just like, meh. It's pretty good. Is it better? It's hard to say if it's that much better than the other one. And I think you might see it perform better on some different activities besides swimming, biking, and running. You might see it on like weightlifting and things like that. But again, it's just, it's tricky to be like, yep, this one's clearly better. And you can see it right here. How so, do both of those compare to like a chest strap? Chest strap's always going to be like the de facto standard. It's like, this is correct. And these we think are pretty close. So, what's the margin of error? What, how how different would you say it is from a chest strap? I mean, it depends on the activity a lot. So, cycling in okay. So, indoor cycling is going to be like spot on. Um, outdoor cycling depends on like how much road rattle there is. It could be pretty far off. It could be you know if you do let's say you do a two hour bike ride, it could be off by you know the average could be off by ten or twenty beats. So like your your total average heart rate at the end could be off by a little bit. So, okay. So yeah. In the vein of pro tips that we've been talking about sure. today, um, what would you say your best pro tips are for getting the best heart rate off of your watch-based yep. heart yep. rate monitor while riding bikes? There are a ton of nice little tips, but, but you want to move it, the watch kind of up higher on the wrist, away from the joints. Any of the joint things are a little bit tricky. They're just, it, again, you're looking to get good data away from joints, more vascular area. In fact, if you could wear your watch all the way up in your arm, you'd get even better data. Anywhere these optical sensors are um, away from movement. So uh, your ankle would be a really bad spot because mm -hmm. it's bony and, and there's a lot of movement there. Um, any spots like that would be better for it. So you move it up the wrist if you can a little bit, and then you want it snug. Okay. You want it comfortable, but snug. Uh, and so... You know, move, what, your, move your arm less if you can't. I mean, I don't know. That's, would anything like, this might sound dumb, but like hairy arms or sunscreen yes. or things like that, are, is that going to impede on getting? Yes, hairy, hairy arms. Tattoos are a big problem for a lot of people because, again, it's um, it's 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 just a light emitter that's it's penetrating the skin and it's looking for that pulse. And then it has to tease out any sort of rhythmic data from, you know, additional sources. Like it's using the accelerometer to be like, okay, are you running? Let me find that running cadence and let's tease that out from the pulse itself because mm -hmm. we want to get the pulse specifically. So it's it's tricky for these watches to do that. And it is very activity specific. If you're going and you're playing like tennis or a racket sport, it's extremely hard for the watch to figure that out. Interesting. So yeah, so mountain biking is one, is a very difficult one as well. Gotcha. Yeah. These watches for the vast majority of them, mm -hmm. will they pair up with a chest strap heart rate monitor? Almost all the watches that I test pair up with a heart rate strap. Okay. Yeah. And then if you're collecting heart rate, do you have to tell it which one that you want together or will it give you both? Um, no, it'll, it'll do one or the other. And so what I'll do often is I'll wear like three watches, let's say. So I'll, I'll wear like an Apple watch on one wrist, Garmin watch on another, and then I'll have, let's just say polar watch. And I'll either wear that on my hand uh, it needs to be separated enough so that you get good GPS data from both devices. Or sometimes I'll wear it on the back of my hat and I'll connect that one to a chest strap. Hmm. And so then I have like what I would consider like a true north, like this, the chest strap is correct because the chest strap is just looking for an electrical signal uh, versus like trying to use light to look for a pulse. It's either going to work or it could be off too because there are some things with um, getting a good connection to your skin and connecting and getting that electrical pulse. But for the most part, that's going to be your your true north, and you're going to compare your optical heart rates to that chest strap. Gotcha. So, yeah. I know in some scenarios, especially with like the chest strap heart rate monitors, yep. um, based on how they connect, like an ultrasound gel or something like that, exactly. will will increase the, the ability to get. Would yeah. something like that impede the wrist heart it, rate it monitor on your watch, or would it not help? Or yes, because you don't want to like refract the light that much. You basically want to have like a nice even light distribution you know, straight through to the skin. 
Um, but uh, the electrolysis gel is fantastic for the electrical signal for a chest strap. Sure. Wouldn't help on your wrist at all. Um, I, you know, for most, for the most part, they're using, they can use slightly different LED colors and things like that to help with different skin tones. Sure. Um, dark skinned people will have sometimes more difficulty uh, than fair people like myself. So um, they can actually use different color LEDs to try to alleviate some of those issues. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, um, and it is, they've come a long, long way and it is really, really good, but that makes it difficult to go from 4.0 to 5.0 to really find a difference there. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been heart rate talk. (laughs) That's interesting stuff though. A lot of the folks that we, we talk to and a lot of people that listen to this are monitoring that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's very, it's, it's great data to have. Highly recommend that you're, you know, it's on, if it's on your watch, might as well use it. How about one other quick question? We'll go back to this in the sure. day, but what about like getting your sleep metrics or your sleep data and all that other fun stuff mm-hmm. and, and your resting heart rates? Do you think that that maybe helped to get a more accurate reading there? Or is it just in the same vein of like, it's because so marginal that it's not really that big of a difference? Um, well, what I thought they might be doing with the new optical heart rate sensor is maybe some skin temperature stuff, which could help, but uh, it doesn't look like it. it. It still seems to be doing like some of the same basic stuff. And again, because your arm's not moving a lot while you're sleeping, it's easier for these optical heart rate monitors to get a pretty good signal on that. And so resting heart rate should be reasonable. In fact, you can actually look at the time between your heart rates and, and then kind of just look at the average of that and look at like how that's trending and establish the heart rate variability, variability score. Yeah. And that's a great indicator for exactly, you know, when you might need a rest and when you might not, or if you've been drinking at night. So yeah. that'll affect yeah. it. Well, these newer watches, like yep. your your Epics and the Phoenix. Yeah, how- and that's the two videos. I, I mentioned that earlier. Exactly. One was the Phoenix and, and the other video was the Epics Pro. So how are those guys stacking up against a whoop right now in these days? Would you pay for that subscription or do you no. think no? No. Um, I actually have never tested the whoop strap. So I think a lot of people like it and I think the metrics are great. And I think they've simplified the data and presented it in a really nice way on the phone. You can get all of that data from all of these different watches that are that don't have a subscription service to it. And so I don't suggest the whoop strap for many people unless you just like their the way they're displaying their data. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, their optical heart rate monitor is less accurate than I'd say most of the not all of them, but like a lot. I mean, it's not it's not in the top whatever four companies that are doing heart rate data. So, okay, who is the best? Which watch is the best? And I know that's hard to say. Um, the Apple Watch is really good at its heart rate sensor, mm-hmm. uh, and it's I would say it's a toss up between Garmin and Apple as far as having the best heart rate sensor. Uh, and then Polar does pretty well too. Um, and, um, and then I think you're going to start to see some less accurate stuff. Interesting. Yep. Well, should be fun to play with these new watches. Got a oh, bunch, yeah. whole bunch of them coming into the lab, and I've actually got one on order for myself. So I'm yes. kind of curious yeah. to see how they compare yeah, to contrast. Yeah, you guys should the- jump on it. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure Jake would hook you up with a deal of some sort, some sort of slight discount code. But you or, snag or, or go watch Matt LeGrand's video, and, video. And maybe, maybe go look in the... Uh, in comment the section. Comment section. There, there may or may but not be. If you a can discount get a slight on? discount, if you can get a slight discount on these brand new watches, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. Snag it. Make it happen. There you go. Support your local dial cycling lab <laughs> and your local Matt Legrand. Yep. So, cool. Anything else, Matt? Yep. That's it. Cool. My one last thing is is uh, we kind of talked about the fog out ride. Yeah, that's a that's I, I want to go coming up again join. Friday. So if you're local and you want to come out and meet some new folks, that's a great place that's to do it. One. Um, we'll be out there. There'll be a pile of people and it's an easy route and it's relatively flat. Nobody gets dropped and we just have a good time. Yeah. And then the actual one, one last thing that I really wanted to put out there is I'm kind of excited about this. The, uh, the blue Lake triathlon is coming up this weekend and I will be out there supporting that. Good. So I'll be gone. I'll be out of town. I'm going to miss out on the fog hat ride. I'm going to miss out on the blue Lake race. That would have been a really good one to do. Yeah. The PDX try is going to have over a thousand people this year. This is like, they're, they're thinking that this is going to be the last one that they actually do at blue Lake. And did you hear why? Um, I think it's the city. They just like don't want to give the permits out or something. Yeah, they they gave the permits out, but you want to take a stab at what they had to pay for that permit? I have no idea. Fourteen thousand dollars. What? Yeah. 
I, I don't know. Come on, Portland. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what the, what I said. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that they might be looking for a new venue to host that because that's just utterly ridiculous. The I mean, problem is we're going to end up with every single race either at French Vancouver Pre- Lake yeah. or out at um, at Horseshoe Lake. Probably yeah. the majority of the races are going to be at Vancouver Lake. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's great, but you want to... You wanna, a variety. Yeah. And I'm guessing there's really no way to do this at Lackamas Lake and Camas because the water's just not nope. super clean there. Unless and the, they clean and up the traffic their... is tricky too. Yeah, there's that too. But I, I mean, a thousand racers coming into town and spending their money and, and the city making some money off of things and just having it be like a, a festival kind of atmosphere, I think would bode well for that city. But going back to what you're saying, it's probably going to be at those two different locations, Horseshoe and uh, Vancouver Lake, and it's unfortunate that um, yep. the city of Portland is, again, making a, a, a bad move. So, yep. just my two cents. All right, but anything else? That's it. All right. We will be back next week with another one of these, and until then, bye for now. Bye.